Hello and welcome to the GDS podcast. I'm Sarah Stewart. I'm a senior writer at the Government Digital Service. I'm in the studio today with two aficionados in the world of government procurement, Chantal Donaldson-Foyer and Warren Smith. Chantal, you're head of product for the Global Digital Marketplace and Warren, you are the program director for the Global Digital Marketplace. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, So just to start off, could you tell me a little bit more about your roles, what exactly you do? All right. Uh, So as head of product of the Global Digital Marketplace, I look after the program as a whole in terms of our offering and what we're going to do with the country. So we've got teams uh, who are looking after each region and I help the product managers for each of these regions build out their offer and actually deliver it. Cool. Warren? So uh, I'm, I have the easy job. I, I set the direction, the vision um, and uh, make sure that we have the uh, the senior stakeholder relationships um, uh, maintained in our partner countries, and that includes with the FCO as well. Now, um, government procurement enthusiasts will know what the digital marketplace is, but for those who don't, I thought it would be a good idea to do a quick recap before we mo- move on to talk about your um, international work. So what is the digital marketplace? Uh, the digital marketplace is a platform that is available to all of the UK public sector to enable them to buy Uh, digital data and technology products and services in support of government transformation. And we do that along with the Crown Commercial Service? Yes, we do. They're a key partner organisation for us in the Cabinet Office. Now, before um, the pair of you worked on the Global Digital Marketplace, you were also on the um, Digital Marketplace. Um, And I did describe you as uh, aficionados earlier. So I'm going to put this claim to the test um, (laughs) and enrich our listeners' understanding and try and make government procurement even more interesting with a quiz. Okay, you're going head to head. No pressure. No pressure. Okay, so this is on the digital marketplace. Um, What happens when you open up the procurement uh, market to suppliers of all sizes rather than just the big tech companies? Why? I have have a list of four (laughs) things that you could possibly pick from. Oh, it's multiple choice. Okay, it's multiple choice. Um, You encourage a more more diverse supply chain to be involved. That's on my list. Okay. Well done. Um, You offer, you get better value for money? That's correct. It's happening even in the room as we speak. There's the air of... Anticipation. <laughs> I was going for competition. <laughs> We're increasing competition. Um, and also the locations. Of course. And yes. more diverse. Yes. Okay, <laughs> this might be slightly harder. No. Okay, second question. What was the digital marketplace's total sales figure at the end of March? 5.7 billion. Wow. Correct. <laughs> okay. Um, can you tell me what is the government's aspirational target figure for SME spend? It's, the target figure is uh, one pound in every three pounds to be spent with SME. By which date? Bonus question. 2022. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, which government launched its own digital marketplace in record time by working with us and using our open source code? Australia. Correct. <laughs> yes. And bonus question. How many weeks did Australia take to launch its own digital marketplace? Six. Five? Five is the correct answer. Oh, five weeks. Well, I have good to say, on. yeah, very good. Good job. Um, I've got to say it's a relief that between the pair of you, you both got them right. So I think we're all up to speed on the digital marketplace. So let's go global. Okay. Um, what is the global digital marketplace? 
The Global Digital Marketplace is a program that's working in partnership with the Foreign and Commonwealth Office, um, aimed to help uh, overseas governments in emerging economies to tackle corruption by transforming their procurement of digital data and technology products and services. And how did that come about? It was mainly following the uh, the summit that took place in 2016, um, where uh, it was felt that there was an opportunity to apply the same approaches that we've taken in the UK to open up markets, to uh, open up procurement and make it more transparent as a way of helping to tackle closed markets, uh, closed uh, processes and more opaque processes that are often the, the breeding ground for corruption. So that was really the sort of genesis of the concept that became the Global Digital Marketplace Programme. The corruption angle is very uh, interesting. How in practical terms is this corruption happening? So it's a good question. Um, I think um, when considering corruption, you have to look at the whole system in which corruption is taking place. Uh, on the one end, you've got the, the very obvious corruption, which is um, where individuals are, um, for personal gain, misappropriating public funds. But I think you also have to look on the opposite end of the spectrum where weaknesses within the system um, could lead to corrupt practices uh, to take place. So perhaps inefficiency and effectiveness within government processes or the systems or opacity within those, um, those uh, processes, a lack of transparency. Um, these are all opportunities for reform and are often the breeding ground for where the corruption can, can start to uh, manifest. So I think certainly the Global Digital Marketplace program is focusing on um, designing out opportunities for corruption to take place um, and uh, focusing on the people involved so that we can help to um, build capability and increase integrity. We spend 9.5 trillion um, a year, so that's global um, government procurement spend, and that doesn't—that's not just IT. And of that number, 2.6 trillion, which is nearly 30%, is lost through bribery or corruption. Yes, so it's a huge, exactly. huge thing that you're trying to, yeah. to tackle here. Um, so, how exactly does it work? How did you begin this process? So, we first um, engaged with a. Uh, a, a range of governments that were priority countries for the FCO. Um, this is after we, we got um, the endorsement and the backing to actually take this uh, take this approach. Um, and it already starts by having the conversations with the governments and the supply chains and civil society organisations within those countries to understand um, what are the barriers, what are the challenges, uh, and, and equally, what are the opportunities for how we can uh, work together. We're not claiming that we've solved the problem uh, by any means in the UK, but we've, we've made a start and an important start in showing that a different way of thinking and working in, uh, to tackle um, procurement is, a, is possible. So um, we, we also look to opportunities for how we can learn from other governments as well as um, sharing what we've been uh, able to achieve in the UK. I'm oh, sorry, I'm, I'm really interested in kind of like the diplomatic angle here, because say, for example, your friend is singing very, very badly. You might not want to tell them or directly that they're singing very, very badly, but it's in everyone's interest for them to get better. How do you approach governments? Like, what's your first step? And do you take a different approach for every country? Do you go and meet them? Yes, uh, it, and that's a really important point is, um, is not to take a, a standard one size fits all approach. Uh, you have to 
to tailor your engagement approach depending on the context. Um, and yes, I've got loads of friends who are terrible singers. Um, <laughs> and, uh, even in a band. <laughs> even, I know, yeah, myself included. That's why I'm never on the vocals. Um, uh, so very quickly, even though the, the kind of the starting point for the conversation is around tackling corruption and procurement reform, very quickly the conversations turn to government transformation and public service um, transformation um, and greater openness and transparency of government. So. I think it's really important to see the antithesis of the negative and focus on the positive because that's very much where uh, the impact and the outcomes uh, that we want to achieve are associated. So, uh, yeah, that's how we, we, we shift the conversation to one of, of the future positive. Um, and so for the record, who, which countries are we dealing with? All right. So uh, we are currently in five countries. So that's uh, in Latin America, Mexico and Colombia and South Africa and Southern Africa and Indonesia and Malaysia in Southeast Asia. And what about the discovery work? So how does that kick off? So actually to uh, to do the discovery, we engaged with the UK supply chain to help us conduct all of the research that was necessary for us to define what the delivery of the programme is going to be. So uh, we worked with four partners um, who came with us to country and try and understand what are the opportunities that exist, what current best practices or great examples we could kind of build and grow further and also what the challenges were in the countries um, to understand where we could add value and where we could work together, share our experience, see whether that can help them or not. Um, so can you tell me some of the things that came out of that early stage um, discussion work with the suppliers? What kind of things were they saying about what they wanted? Um, so. Each of the each of the suppliers had a different um, area of expertise um, and an area that they were looking at in countries across all five countries, uh, and including some of our team and some people from GDS came along to the discovery. So actually, um, over the last uh, five weeks, four weeks, uh, we've been working together in workshops to define what we have found because actually we think that by bringing all together all our findings, uh, we can come up with a better rationale rather than everyone working on their own. So we're just currently um, formulating what our findings are. Um, and um, I think there, there's several themes that come out, but overall, um, the global digital marketplace is looking at things beyond just a digital marketplace. Uh, so it's all its associated reforms, looking at the standards and assurance process. So before, um, before contracts are awarded, um, the spend control process, uh, then how procurements are designed, how contracts are designed, um, then the assurance of the delivery itself, how data underpins all of that, as well as the, ca the capabilities that are available in countries. And so together we've reviewed all of that and pretty much in all countries found opportunities at each of these levels um, I think and in terms of transparency an exciting part of that is looking at how we could help these countries um, share more of their data uh, in the open contracting data standard. How were those countries identified in the first place? So we were uh, provided with a long list of, of potential partner countries by the FCO, um, which are priority countries for them in terms of anti-corruption. Um, so we we were it was necessary for us to prioritise that that long list because um, we were a small team to begin with. Um, so we used um, a range of publicly available indices to give us a a general measure of um, complexity. 
uh, things like the World Bank's Ease of Doing Business Index, um, uh, Transparency International's Corruption Perception Index, and various others from like the OECD and, and uh, uh, the such like. So that gave us a uh, yeah a, a, a an overall score which enabled us to um, put countries into uh, two different tiers. So we we focus on the the tier one countries. Um, why can't uh, the UK government just write a how-to guide and provide some open source uh, code and let a government get on with it? Um, I think part of what we're trying to do as well is show our way of working. So bringing uh, user-centered design principles as well as our agile ways of working into uh, into our delivery so that we can share that with p- partner countries uh live and so that they can really experience it and feel it rather than just reading something some nice guidance and some stats about how it makes things better but actually being being there feeling it um, engaging with the users directly uh, is so powerful that no guide would be able to to match that kind of experience and i think that's why we want to for our delivery to be very much implementation focused because that's the best way to learn I think just building on that, I mean, that's exactly what we did for Australia uh, as a uh, a bit of an experiment in 2016. They could have just come in and taken the code, um, uh, but actually it was the combination of open source code and technical assistance from UK government in terms of GDS, sending some people from the team to spend the time with them um, to take the code and to implement. I think that's what, it was the combination of those things which led to um, their delivery in just five weeks. Um, so how do you work with five countries? Like, What does your month look like? Where are the touch points that you meet? How do you collaborate? Well, it's, it's quite hard, especially when you, when you look at it on a map and think about just the time zone problem. <laughs> it's, it's a massive challenge for our team, uh, but uh, it's also really exciting because we get to work with, um, together with the overseas embassies and the high commissions who support us on the ground. And uh, so, yeah, so we, we do visits um, every uh, few months in country and then use kind of other tools to be able to, to talk to stakeholders. So we use Slack, we use um, Hangouts. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though we are um, geographically distant and time zone pr- pr- uh, presents a challenge, it's still possible to have uh, a working relationship with a highly distributed um, team. I think, yeah. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about MOUs, Memorandums of Understanding. Um, you've just signed some. Tell me about those. Yes. Um, at the beginning of March, uh, Kevin, our, our Director General, signed um, three MOUs with some not-for-profit organisations to support global digital marketplace. Um, that's really exciting. Uh, it's been some... Uh, some time in the making, but we've 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 got there. Um, so yeah, the, each of those organisations are recognised uh, globally for their leadership, uh, for their skills, for their experience uh, and capabilities. All of which support um, the kind of strategic direction of global digital marketplace. So the first is the Organisation for International Economic Relations, or the OIER, which is also the organisation that's um, behind an initiative called United Smart Cities. Where are they based? Vienna. And uh, the second is the Open Contracting Partnership, or OCP. And the third is the International Association for Contract and Commercial Management, or the IACCM. 
the OIER and United Smart Cities <laughs> are focused on um, implementing information and communication and technologies to support the delivery of sustainable smart cities. Um, they are active across the globe in a number of cities um, and they're closely linked to a number of United Nations uh, agencies as well. The Open Contracting Partnership is uh, an organization that spun out from the World Bank and they developed the Open Contracting Data Standard. Um, they are huge advocates uh, and campaigners for greater transparency in public procurement um, and the Open Contracting Data Standard or the OCDS is a, is a key element of the Global Digital Marketplace Program Delivery. Uh, and the third, the IACCM, uh, is a, a globally recognized uh, organization that's focused on building capability and capacity in commercial and contracting. And what does their signing the MOU mean in real terms? So it gives us um, the ability to uh, align on um, common areas of interest. Um, it gives us the ability to identify uh, countries um, where we have a, a common interest in and where we're already engaging. Um, and it also gives us the ability to bring together those um, uh, the skill sets of the different organisations and thinking about the collective rather than the, the individuals. So um, we have a, a workshop planned in a couple of weeks' time in Vienna where we bring together all the organisations and we look forward to the next 12, 18 months and identifying those opportunities for collaborative delivery. And it's, uh, it's really important that we look at the tangible delivery opportunities that can, uh, that can draw on the, the individual capabilities of each organisation. So where are you in the process now? You're collecting feedback from the discoveries? Uh, so currently uh, we're analysing still um, the the findings from, well, towards the end of that, but uh, we've done the trips to the five countries. We've brought together all the um, the teams that have been doing that, so both supply and GDS, and uh, we've brought together the findings and now we're developing the recommendations. So this is going to be a kind of a long list that we're go going back into countries to present and discuss and shape that together with our key stakeholders there, uh, what the next phase of delivery is going to look like. Um, so our next phase is our alpha phase where we want to pilot um, different types of approaches. So we're just trying to see how what, what will that exactly look like? And also, how does that fit in with what the stakeholders in each country want to achieve? And matching that um, is our next step. So are you working with um, just national governments or sub-national governments? Both. Yeah. And how does your approach differ? So the approach, the engagement approach is um, consistent. Mm -hmm. um, I think the challenges um, faced are different. Um, sub in very much a uh, consistent with the UK. Subnational are closest to frontline service delivery, um, so at either city or municipality level. Um, and national obviously is trying to take a, 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 um, a national view on, on uh, what to do. So what we're trying to do is, is um, transcend those organisational boundaries. Um, and actually there's a level between that, um, which might be say states, um, in which obviously there are multiple cities or districts. Um, so it's looking at, okay, what are the needs of each of the different levels of government? Where are the challenges and what are the opportunities that we can help to bring together 
um, coordination between national efforts and subnational efforts on the ground. And are you on a timer here? What's the what are your kind of target delivery dates? Ultimately, it's uh, we're, we're funded until 2022, okay. uh, which is in line with the UK's anti-corruption strategy. Um, so that's another three years on that current funding um, envelope. Um, and while we're taking the long view, we're looking at how we can then break that down into the next six, 12, 18 months and always have a kind of a rolling view of, of what our um, activities are likely to be notching through that time period. And will you identify any other places to work? Because I saw a map. <laughs> There's always a map. I've seen a map. Um, and they had some rather exotic locations, but also Bristol was named. I wanted to, in that map, I wanted to call out a couple of um, of UK cities. Um, uh, the list to call out is too, too long on that small map. But initiatives like the Local Digital Declaration um, and um, leading local government um, uh, organisations who are uh, really showing the way in terms of what digital transformation can look like at a local level. Calling those out on the map gives us the ability to um, bring together stakeholders who are trying to do the same thing in different countries around the world. So, for example, the profile of Bristol might be very close to a city in Indonesia where they have a similar demographic or they have a, a similar set of challenges, there could be value in bringing those stakeholders together to share information, share technologies, share approaches, share um, lessons learned so that they can each everybody can benefit from, uh, from one another. So that's certainly a really key part of what we're trying to do is bring together and form a global community of, of reformers where uh, procurement um, transformation is the heart of their digital transformation as well. It's a bit like um, town twinning for the digital age. That's, that's funny you should say that because that's exactly how, I, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, digital twins. But Yeah, like and I, I would add also that um, we're seeing really interesting initiatives um, in some of our partner countries and we'd like to explore the idea of exchanging experiences between them so it's not just a UK to another country exchange but really this community is kind of self-organized and has people talking all over the world um, that's the ambition yeah. at least <laughs> I think no, absolutely and it's it's multi-stakeholder it's um, uh, multi-directional so it's not about as as you say Shanta it's not not UK pushing out to others it's actually this we've got a lot to learn from from other governments um, it should be a uh, you know the flow of information and expertise should be uh, multi-directional um, and yeah when you when you start connecting different regions and uh, governments in those regions um, and the UK is kind of convening that I think that's re presents some really interesting opportunities and uh, yeah, well, the, and so while we're focused on the Global Digital Marketplace program as funded by the FCO with an anti-corruption focus, there's there's certainly an opportunity to look beyond that, and maybe that's the that's the next phase of uh, of our work. So, what kind of initiatives have piqued your interest across the globe? 
Um, I think the most exciting uh, initiative I came across was probably in Guadalajara, in, in the Mexican state of Jalisco, uh, where we saw that they've done some incredible work at mapping the city and mapping different uh, services, so local, uh, so city services across the city, so that you could see what was happening where, and also um, the, 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 pl the town planning. So this could inform their future policies and interventions, which was just really, really remarkable. Uh, so a couple that I've seen, um, for example, in Malaysia, um, Selangor State, um, they have a, a very bold ambition to be the smartest state in the Association of Southeast Asian Nations by, I think, 2026. Um, so that's all about kind of embracing um, digital, civic participation um, to deliver transformed public services. Um, so their um, Smart Selangor Delivery Unit is... is um, one of our key stakeholders in Malaysia. Equally in Indonesia, um, West Java province. Uh, so the, the current um, governor of West Java was the former mayor of Bandung city, Ridwan Kamil. So he's a, he's a, a very forward thinking um, uh, uh, s senior leader who understands the role of digital and technology in delivering um, transform public services. Um, so that, that again, they're likely to be a, a key partner for us. Um, yeah, we've seen the um, the Colombian procurement uh, body. Uh, Colombia Compra Eficiente. They've published a whole bunch of their data in the Open Contracting Data Standard um, quite recently. So that's been a really fantastic initiative we've seen. Yeah, and equally, Mexico are very forward um, uh, in terms of their embracing uh, Open Contracting Data um, Standard. Mm. Um, that's quite so much. there's, I mean, th yeah, yeah. So this is this is, I think, um, what's exciting it's not only understanding the opportunities for what we can do together in country it's what we can uh, learn from other countries where they've uh, they've perhaps been a, a step or two ahead of the uk an example in south africa is that is they have a central supplier database um, which was developed quite a few years ago but is actually a really good example of how having data in one place is actually incredibly powerful and uh, different ministries are essentially able to a draw from that to be able to uh, have sense check uh, the suppliers that are bidding for their procurement. So that's that's been a very impressive piece of work we've seen. Um, in your Indonesian example, you touched on leadership. How much of your work is around leadership and culture? I think that's absolutely integral to all of it. Um, so we we have been identifying who are our key. Uh, stakeholders um, to to lead and sponsor, um, but also how do we uh, ensure that um, when we're working together that they have uh, that vision and the direction and uh, they're able to bring their teams along with them. Um, so there was a, a there was an article published I think just last week actually in the, in um, in Gov Insider um, uh, talking about. Um, the CIO for uh, Malaysia, um, and she's fantastic. She's she's visited GDS um, at least once, uh, I think a couple of times. Um, and so when we were presenting to her 
actually the tables turned quite quickly and she was basically presenting to us <laughs> about um, how uh, they're using GDS standards and approaches as their benchmark for how to deliver um, their transformations. So it makes for a, a very engaging and compelling conversation when um, the leaders within the countries are basically saying, we want to align around these kind of principles and um, practices, which which then um, means that we've got a, a really solid foundation for a, a good conversation and delivery. Is it possible to identify any quick wins against corruption? Is it a case of just making contracts really, really simple and then you can, you know, that's the first step in, in winning the battle? I mean, I like that. Making contracts simple is a quick win. Contracts are certainly a very difficult challenge, I think, generally in the world of procurement. Um, I think there there isn't really a quick win in a, in tackling something as systemic as corruption. Mm -hmm. But I think there is um, something around starting small and choosing a very specific area in a in an allocation in a subnational government, for example, and trying to build that out, showing how that works, um, and also. Uh, building the buy-in of uh, kind of of stakeholders across the board that this approach can work. So I think it's not really about quick wins, more about choosing, starting small, testing it out, iterating it, and growing it in the long term. I think that relates also to your question around culture, um, because the sort of ingrained systemic issues of corruption can often be quite an overwhelming. Um, uh, thing to tackle mm -hmm. by demonstrating as Chantal says that it is possible to take a different approach by starting small demonstrating uh, a success building trust and building confidence and bringing people along with you on that journey and then scaling from there and I think um, it's it's hugely satisfying when you when you can see the delight <laughs> in a stakeholder or the users to see oh, oh my goodness there it, it change is possible um and people are people are really looking for that change um so yeah it's that that approach of um incremental and iterative uh, and then scaling from there i think is absolutely key the Global Digital Marketplace is a partnership between GDS and the uh, Foreign Office, Foreign Commonwealth Office. Who does what? GDS is responsible for the delivery mm -hmm. of the programme. Um, FCO, are, uh, they're responsible for a, a broader overarching programme, which is called the, the Global Anti-Corruption Programme. Um, and that contains a number of activities of which the Global Digital Marketplace programme is one. Um, so they're... They're managing a, a quite a diverse portfolio of activities that involve a number of other government departments. Um, some multilateral organisations like the OECD and the UN are involved as well. Um, our focus and our responsibility is on delivering against the objectives that we've set, which will help to achieve the, uh, the more broader objectives of the FCO's Global Anti-Corruption Programme. Will we continue to um, engage with suppliers going forward? And if so, how? Absolutely. So um, in the, exactly the same way as, as we have done in the UK, that the, the supply chain is an absolutely critical element for our transformation. We would um, mirror that approach in our uh, engagements, um, particularly as we move beyond discovery and transition into alpha. Um, we will be um, re-engaging with our supply chain partners in the UK 
uh, to share the opportunities for how they could work with us to support um, global digital marketplace program delivery over the next 12 to 18 months. What will be keeping you busy uh, in the short term? What's keeping us busy is the trips to our uh, our partner countries because we're, as I mentioned earlier, we're going there to present what we think might be good activities for the next stage and discussing and shaping that with them. So um, over the next two, three months, we're going to go over different parts of the team. But I think it's that coordination of who's going out when um, that's currently keeping us busy. And then um, actually being in country and engaging and running workshops, presenting our findings. Um, that's really what's going to be the next, uh, yeah, <laughs> the next phase. Yeah, and that's, that's not without its complexity mm. <laughs> because um, we are engaging with a, a broad spectrum of stakeholders. Um, the decision makers in the country, um, the people that we want to partner with in order to support our delivery, um, and that includes domestic supply chain in country uh, as well as civil society organisations. So trying to line up the right people um, to uh, gain their buy-in and their support for our plan going forward is absolutely critical. So we, we have to be respectful of, of their availability. Um, so. Yeah, that's going to be a, a, a diary challenge <laughs> for us all. So you've been here since nearly the beginning of GDS's creation. Could you have imagined that the digital marketplace would be global? Uh, no, certainly not at the beginning. Um, but I think it goes back to, well, you know, it absolutely goes back to Chantal's point of uh, the importance and the power of starting small, iterating and then scaling those approaches, which is effectively what we've what we're doing what we're doing now, um, and the fact that the digital marketplace is now being seen by the Crown Commercial Service as a key enabler for their transformation, um, I think is testament to the fact that the successes of what we've seen through the digital marketplace so far have been recognised and uh, now we can build upon those things from a domestic UK perspective and equally the same goes for um, overseas with the Global Digital Marketplace programme. So um, yeah, that's it's, it's uh, certainly wasn't the anticipation from day one, uh, but nice to see that evolution. Um, yeah. Can you tell me about the makeup of the uh, Global Digital Marketplace team? Who have you got in there? So uh, the Global Digital Marketplace team is growing right now. So we've been doing uh, a whole bunch of hiring in the last couple of months and are still in the process of doing that. Um, uh, I'll, I'll talk about what our finished team will look like. Um, but essentially, so we're going to have a product and delivery duo looking after a region. Um, so three, th we've got three regions. Um, and then we've got um, subject matter expertise on um, digital and data and technology skills and capabilities, um, commercial um, and commissioning, um, as well as... Standards Assurance. Standards and Assurance. <laughs> um, and then uh, we've got also in our different partner countries, we've got delivery support in, in each of the embassies or high commissions who are supporting the delivery on the ground. So um, that shape is suited to our activity over the next kind of 12 18 months so we would we would naturally look to shape and reshape the team if if we need to um, uh, but certainly the roles that 
you've articulated, Chantal, those are our core civil servant delivery focused roles that uh, we've been putting in place. Yeah, and I would also add to that that we've um, been supported by different teams in GDS as well. So the standards and assurance team have supported us on our discovery as well as the um, digital data and technology uh, capabilities team. Um, and they've, they've been crucial at um, shaping what our discoveries are uh, uh, were like and the kind of things we were investigating, um, and some of which ha- uh, some of who have also joined us on on our on our discovery trips. Where can people find out more about your work? The GDS blog, certainly uh, the GDS social media channels. Um, uh, we would like to be regularly talking about the work that we're doing, uh, being open about the, the work, um, and once we've had an opportunity to share. Um, discovery insights and um, propositions with our stakeholders in country we'd like to be able to talk about that openly as well so keep your eye out for that mm-hmm. excellent well thank you so much for joining me on the gds podcast it's been a pleasure to learn more about the work that you're doing thank you for having us thank you